0: Welcome to the Relaxed Running Podcast, the show that helps runners and athletes in running based sports transform the way they run. Here's your host, Tyson Popplestone. Welcome back to the Relaxed Running Podcast, Tyson Popplestone here. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I hope it's been a good couple of weeks for all of you. Hope you've had a chance in amongst the chaos and the busyness to put your feet up, get a little chance to recover and rest and enjoy a little bit of downtime. Today on the show, the final show for 2022, I'm joined by Rachel Salman. Rachel is a strength and conditioning coach. She's a PT or physiotherapist, and specialises in pelvic rehabilitation. More specifically, she works with women postpartum and during pregnancy to not just make sure their level of fitness is good going into their pregnancy or you know within the pregnancy, but making sure that they don't rush back into the fitness routine too quickly. Postpartum or after the baby's born. So, really interesting topic to me. My wife's obviously just given birth to our second boy 12 weeks ago, and it was interesting to see firsthand just the changes that take place not only in the exercise routine, fatigue levels, um, the pain that you feel throughout the pregnancy, but just her ability to gradually work her way back into an exercise routine over the last 12 weeks. So really fascinating fascinating conversation, really interesting to me. I know it's going to help a lot of women. I know it's going to help a lot of husbands and partners understand their little ladies uh, throughout this time. So Rachel is an absolute gun on the show, really enjoyable, really passionate about the topic, and it was a, uh, a really fun conversation. So if you want to hear more from Rachel, make sure you check her out. I've linked her Instagram account in the, uh, in the description of this podcast, but for now, um, whether you're listening, watching, sit back, relax, enjoy this conversation with myself and Rachel Salmon. Well, I'm uh, I'm excited to sit down and have a chat with you because honestly, and I feel like I don't start many podcasts with this little blurb about myself, but this one I am completely out of my depth, and the reason I'm so out of my depth, but also so interested in having the chat with you is, is two months ago my wife gave birth to our second boy and it's been a been an interesting process for her she's done a great job I think it was 10 weeks ago now and she's been in the process of sort of just trying to get back into some rhythm and some form of exercise and she said to me the other day she goes babe do you think I'm do you think I'm good to get back into training and I was like oh my gosh I have absolutely no idea And so I stumbled across some of your stuff and I thought, well, babe, you know what? I'm going to go above and beyond and talk about research. I'm going to get Rach on this show and I'm going to ask all the questions that you have for me and hopefully learn even more than that.
1: (laughs) Props to you. Props to you. Way to go. Way to go.
0: So with that said, thank you. Thank you very much. With that said, I thought maybe I I would handball it to you to kickstart the conversation and just let you give us a little bit of an overview about who you are, about what you do and about how you help.
1: Yeah. So my name is Rachel. I've been a physical therapist. I think you guys say physio, same thing. Um, so I've been a physical therapist now for seven years. I have spent five years of those, um, seven years specializing in pelvic health. So I started in sports medicine, orthopedics. So very running specific things. Um, I was a runner. I've played soccer all my life. And so I got really into that. And then kind of the same thing that you were just talking about, I got pregnant with my first and was really confused by the information that was available to me even working in physical therapy. I was around people all day that we should have had easy answers and no one could really tell me the same information. Everyone I asked had something different to say, even my doctor had something different to say. So everyone was on very different pages in terms of what was safe. Um and so I kind of got frustrated obviously by that. Kind of it sounds like where your wife is right now like what am I supposed to do? Am I safe? Am I not? Like, what's what should I be doing? And so, um, decided to go down this world of pelvic health, and now have ended up into this little kind of niche of pregnancy and postpartum athletes and runners, which is a lot of fun because that's where I was at too. And so it's fun for me to work with that population and help them feel confident in their decisions as they progress through this really vulnerable and strange season of life. So um, I got my bachelor's degree in chemistry at Georgia Tech and then got my doctorate in physical therapy from Mercer and then um, got my certification as a strength and conditioning coach, which just gave me more background into the kind of like athletic world of things in terms of sports performance and then now have my certification as a performance in sports science which is more of the research side of things. So that's where I've gotten more involved with the research lately um, in terms of being able to write articles, interpret articles, make sure that I'm putting good information out there that is, you know, solid peer reviewed things, because I felt like that was what I was lacking and what I would have loved to have. And so it got to the point where it was like, listen, it's not out there. So I can either be upset about that, or we can try to put something together and make this happen so that it's available to people in the future. So that's kind of how it all came together was just this huge gap. And so being able to fill that gap has been really, really, really fun. There's days where I'm both resentful and excited that we're filling the gap because I wish that this had been a thing when I was going through my first pregnancy. But I am thankful that it has been able to help as many people as it has. So that's been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, awesome. That's a really good answer. One of the things that I noticed even before our uh, well, I'll go back to our first boy, Charlie. He's two and a little bit now. One of the things that struck me pretty quickly was just how different it is when it comes to how women cope with being pregnant. My wife, very fit, uh, very active, um, you know, looks after herself a lot. I would, you look at her and you go, okay, that's a person who, uh, from the outside, you go, she's fit, she's strong, she'll handle this like an absolute boss, as she did. But one of the things that she struggled with earlier than um, she thought she would, or that I didn't even knew it was possible, was she had so much pelvic pain. In I don't know what month it was. I'd say probably six months into her pregnancy, it got to a point where, like, a lot of the time, even walking around for her was was really difficult. And that last few weeks was like a nightmare. She's like, just get this thing out of me, <laughs> because it was just a, it was a, a huge discomfort, as I can imagine, and. The pain relief was almost immediate in her um, in her in her pelvis when she had given birth to Charlie, and obviously, like then comes recovery and things like that. But it's really interesting to me as a as an outsider just to look at the way that different women cope with different levels of pain and how some women seem to be able to operate, you know, right up to the day before the baby's born, going out for long walks and exercise, whereas people like my wife, equally fit and healthy, get six months in, and is like, oh my goodness, this is not what I was expecting. Like when it comes to that pelvic pain in particular, what's going on there? Like, obviously I'm I'm sure it's different for different women.
1: Yeah. So it can be a bunch of different things. Um, and this is where I think it's a lot of fun when women do come into the clinic and I get to kind of assess them and see what we think is going on. So for a lot of women, you have to think that, you know, six months in, we're kind of where you're talking about with your wife, your posture is changing, of course. Right. So, um, Just as a runner, you know, we talk about shoes all the time and we'll talk about things like Um, just the the height of the heel. So that drop height there. And if you change that by a couple millimeters, how that can feel different when you run because your posture changes. So you think about what happens during pregnancy, your posture changes immensely and it's changing constantly. So it's not really something that you kind of get used to because every week it gets a little bit more intense. It gets a little bit different. And so for a lot of women, it can be postural. So you think about the pelvis being kind of like the core and the, the center of everything. So the connection between upper and lower body. So if that posture changes, you've got muscles kind of pulling in directions that they weren't necessarily pulling before. So it can be part of that. It can be the ligaments, which are attached to the actual organs themselves. So the ligaments that attach, like to the uterus, where baby is actually growing. Um, so baby's growing basically inside this muscle. There's a bunch of things that attach to that. So as baby grows, it can kind of pull on mm. different things. It could be purely muscular in that there's a muscle that's not doing what it's supposed to do, or it's overdoing it, maybe compensating for a different muscle, um, as your posture changes, as the way that you move changes, you know, that we can of like start to get that pregnant waddle almost. So you change how you walk. And so that can cause problems as well. So it can be a kind of just wide range of different things, which is where, um, a professional comes in because I'll have people all the time, send me a message and say, Hey, I've got some pelvic pain. What should I do? but it's really hard to answer that question because it really could be from a lot of different things. So until I get you in, see how you move, see what your posture looks like, talk about what you're doing on a daily basis. Are you still running at six months pregnant? Are you, have you stopped that and you're only doing interval training? Are you only doing resistance training? Kind of where are we finding those deficits and how can I correct those for you as much as possible during that season of life? Um, so it's very, very individual, but pelvic pain is very common. I think the biggest thing to be aware of with pelvic pain is that you can see a PT and get help for it. I think a lot of people don't realize that. And a lot of people, um, when they mention it, whether it's to a friend or to their doctor, it comes along with that. Oh, well, you're pregnant. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, you're, yeah, you've got pelvic pain. Like that happens. <laughs> you're pregnant. Um, but I'll have people have who have pelvic pain at two months pregnant. And it's like, well, I've got eight more months of this. I don't want to just say, well, I'm pregnant. Just kind of deal with it for the next eight months uh, if there's something that I could do in the meantime. So a pelvic PT, someone who's certified in that can really help you with that. So don't let it kind of keep going on and just be miserable. There are options for treatment
0: yeah where do you start the conversation with women who are interested who come to you and are either experiencing pain or some form of discomfort or just I guess a curiosity about what the next few months of their life is going to look like because as we've sort of unpacked already, there's a, a whole heap of different approaches and a whole heap of different experiences that people have. so I can imagine the conversations just must look so different from person to person so like if a, a you know a, a lady came in to speak to you where where do you even start that conversation?
1: Yeah. The first day that I work with um, women, it's usually a lot of education. So people kind of come in first day thinking it's going to be all this crazy treatment and things. And honestly, first day for me, the way that I treat patients is a lot of education day one, because I think... Education is this huge component that we're missing in pregnancy and postpartum. And again, this is kind of what you and your wife have encountered where it's kind of like no one's really told me what's going to happen to my body. No one's really explained to me how I'm going to feel or what I could feel or if I feel this, it's normal. And if I feel this, it's not. There's not really anyone out there who's saying like, Hey, here's what to expect. And so you go into this situation. It's totally new to you. It's, it is a bizarre situation, right? You're growing a human. Um, and so when you don't have someone to bounce ideas off of or have someone to come to and say, is this normal? Like, Hey, here's what I'm feeling. That can be really, really challenging. And so a lot of times that first visit is just me saying, Hey, here's some things that you could expect. If you have something that doesn't fall into this list of things, don't panic, reach out. I try to be very, very accessible so that you can get to me really easily. And then that way I can help you kind of troubleshoot from there. Cause the problem sometimes too, is you can't get to your OB quickly enough, or you might leave a voicemail and you wait to hear back. And it's kind of like, well, I've got this hip pain. Do we think that's, you know, do we think that's anything crazy or do we think it's just hip pain because I'm walking differently? And so especially I think with your first pregnancy, you tend to be, I say I was a little more neurotic with my first pregnancy because I just was so aware of everything, worried about everything all the time because I had never been through it before. I didn't specialize in pelvic health when I was pregnant with my first, which is eventually what turned me around into specializing in pelvic health because it was a very frustrating process. And so the first visit for most women is just education. It's like, listen, listen, Here's what you can generally expect, okay? If I say 75% of my patients experience these things 75% of the time, I'm going to generalize that and I'm going to give you that information. If it doesn't happen to you, fabulous. If you don't get hip pain or back pain, amazing. But if you do, let me know so that I can kind of be that person for you and help you figure that out along the way. And that way you don't feel like you have to panic or you don't feel like you have to stop doing everything that you're doing the number of times that women just don't know what to expect because of that lack of education, it's it's really just it's insane kind of what you go through and you just have to kind of like roll with the punches and figure out as you go. So I think a huge piece of this in general is just education, which is why podcasts like this are amazing because it gives people an idea of like, hey there's actually like more information than I really was aware of out there. So things like podcasts or things like workshops where I can go and talk to women who are pregnant and kind of give them just some background of what to expect. And postpartum too, again, that experience postpartum of like, what am I going to feel like? What can I expect in terms of bleeding, in terms of function, in terms of return to activity? Uh, the lack of education on that I think is, is horrific and it really sets people up for, for failure because you don't know what you're looking for. And if you're not trained in it, that's very confusing. And it makes a very vulnerable season of life even harder than it really needs to be. So I think education is a huge component of what I do. Of course, there's the hands-on treatments. And of course, there's corrective exercise. But education is enough most of the time to just help people feel better, understand what's going on with their bodies. And then that way, I'm there to take it after that. But there's a huge gap I have to fill to get us to ground level before we get to get to the what I think most people consider the fun stuff. So I have to fill that hole where it's kind of like, what do I need to be expecting before we actually get to build into the stuff that's actually the fun, quote unquote, exercise return to activity type thing.
0: Yeah, that that education seems like it'd be an awesome foundation to build from because I notice that in my own life, like whenever there's something causing stress or anxiety or worry a lot of the time when I find either um, comfort in the fact that other people have experienced it or even more than that like practical guidance on how to navigate your way through it it often just eliminates so much of the stress that comes with that and I noticed that through through Jesse is is my wife's name one of the things that was really helpful to her was exactly what I just mentioned as she started to research and learn more about it she didn't feel like she was just a, an outsider because a couple of the times in the uh, early stages of her first pregnancy especially she was like oh man like I thought I was just fit and that was like just the blanket rule thrown over it. it's like okay well I'm in so much pain obviously I'm not fit I'm not strong and I was like okay well that doesn't sound like it's <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> the truth yeah, because yeah
1: you know, it's not true. You know, she's fit. You know, she takes good care of herself. You know, that she's been active for all this time, but pregnancy affects people so differently. And even multiple pregnancies can be totally different in the same person. So one pregnancy might feel completely different than the other pregnancy, depending on what's going on, what's, what's happening with your body. And for me, that lack of education, again, with my first, when I wasn't trained in pelvic health, it was that postpartum period where again, when you are fit, you are active. I think all of pregnancy really all people talk to you about is, oh, you're going to bounce back, right? Like you are going to have no problem getting back to running and core work and your baby's going to come out and they're going to have a six pack. You know, they kind of (laughs) like hype you up, which is great. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, but kind of, I think what you're saying with Jesse, like I, when I had my baby and I didn't feel like I bounced back as quickly as I thought that I would. And as quickly as everyone kind of had told me that I would. I felt like a failure. I felt like, well, I must have done something that I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Or maybe I didn't work as hard as I should have worked. Or maybe I, you know, am just not pushing myself hard enough when postpartum is hard enough as is. If you, even if you're not exercising on top of that, it's a hard, vulnerable season. You're not sleeping well. There's just a lot going on in your body. And so when you have that pressure on top of that, and a lack of education. So the lack of ability to confidently say, you know what, I understand you're telling me I'm going to bounce back. I appreciate that in that you're saying that I, you think I'm healthy and fit. But I also understand that this is a serious thing. It's a big time kind of change the muscle and I need to respect the healing process. So because I respect the healing process and because I understand the healing process, I'm not going to rush it as much as Kind of The rest of the world, I think, really pushes that on women of like, you have this baby and you get back to it. You just bounce back and that's how life goes. I don't think we've respected what happens postpartum enough. It doesn't mean that we – I think we've blamed it on a long time for a lack of understanding, a lack of research it is shifting now to the point where there is more and more research and there is more and more understanding. And so what's happening as that happens, guidelines are changing. So as opposed to that, like, oh, hey, six weeks, you're totally cleared. Now we know and understand and can really appreciate that your muscles aren't really ready for all of that at six weeks postpartum. So I compare it to a surgery. If you just had this major surgery, I wouldn't tell you at six weeks to just go do whatever you wanted, especially after you've spent six weeks, not doing a whole lot because I told you not to. And then now at midnight, five weeks, six days postpartum, you could go run a marathon really if you wanted to because whatever you're cleared, have fun. There's a process and we haven't really respected the process. So we're shifting, I think now into this season of we have enough information But there's a delay between the research and the information existing and it becoming standard of care. I think that there's Mm. actually a research article about this where it talks about once the research gets out there, it takes about 17 years to become the actual standard. So even though you have providers who are saying, hey, here's what we recommend, here's what we think is good, here's what the research shows is important and critical, it won't become something that most providers really accept and understand outside of that specialty for about 17 years. That's a long time, right? Seriously. So there's this huge gap now where there's this information and providers have to take it upon themselves to really educate themselves on that so that they can confidently give women the right information, um, instead of just kind of waiting for it to trickle down 17 years from now, which doesn't serve the women in their practices today.
0: Yeah. It's a good point. Just as my kids are about to graduate high school, the, uh, <laughs> it'll be the consensus. Yeah. Yeah. It's you've interesting.
1: Got it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's really interesting. You touched on this before, and I was thinking it just before you said it. But it is such a like a tumultuous time when a, a new baby comes into the world. Even for me, as the partner who's gone through nothing apart from cheering for for my lady as she's doing her thing, it, I, I wake up a, a couple of mornings and like, oh my gosh, like this is just so tiring, isn't it, babe? In the early part, she's like, hey, don't even don't even talk to me. Like I know you, <laughs> I know it's tough. But you're right. Like not only uh, are you guys trying to navigate the world of okay, my body's been through. Um, you know, whether you had a C-section or a natural birth, your body's been through something pretty pretty huge. Um, so you're dealing with that and the hormones and things that come with that. But then more than that, just you've, you've got like a new life in your house that you've got to try and look after as well. And I know, uh, and Jesse and you know, I have well, not so much been laughing. We laugh when we calm down. But I think but it's been like the most bickery period of our whole marriage, bringing a, 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 our second kid into the house it's like yesterday we had a, a, another little bicker and I'm like what are we doing like we don't w- we have our moments along the way we've been together uh, like 14 years we had our moments along the way but it's like we've taken it to a new level and I'm like all right well there's definitely something that we're trying to juggle here so it's like it's amazing how much of an impact just bringing one kid let alone two or three or however many you've got into the house can impact just every facet of your life and like surely emotionally that takes a big toll on um, like the recovery process and your ability to get back to it because yeah, you, you, you hit the nail on the head when you say it's not just the actual physical body that you've got to wait to recover because you've got to navigate this whole new timetable and schedule and um, <laughs> just life that's entered into your house.
1: Yeah and I think that that's kind of where we're at in terms of like trying to create these guidelines and trying to get them out there. And, um, you know, these guidelines that we came out with recently in the International Journal of Sports Physical Therapy, they're not the, they're not going to be the guidelines maybe in 15, 20 years, right? The hope is that we get this information out there and we can really start picking it apart. I don't expect that the exact guidelines and the exact way they la- that we laid them out will, will be what persists 20, 30, 40 years from now but there was nothing. So there was nothing before that. And so what happened was I think women run into what you said, this already very vulnerable time. Like you are vulnerably, you're, you're vulnerable emotionally, you're vulnerable physically, like there's just a lot going on. Um, and then you add stress and fatigue on top of that. And now you're asking me to figure out how I'm supposed to safely recover and get back to activity. Whereas most people are kind of like, I don't even have 20 minutes a day that I can actually set aside for myself to work out. And when I do get 20 minutes a day, the last thing I want to do is exercise. The last thing I want to do on top of that is try to figure out how to exercise because now I've got to spend hours researching what's safe to do. And because no one's telling me, no one's giving me the answers. And so I think people fall on one end of the spectrum or the other is what happens is postpartum. I have patients typically come in around six weeks postpartum, which I really wish we could get them in earlier. It's not the patient's fault. It's just usually that they haven't been recommended to PT until that point. But usually in those zero to six weeks postpartum, it's this really weird, empty space of what do I do? So I have patients who don't do anything because they're really scared that they're not doing something right. And then I have patients who go way too hard because they've been tired of being pregnant and being told that they can't do anything, which also is obviously false. Um, And so they overdo it. And so by Mm -hmm. the time that they come see me at six weeks, we're either totally undertrained, have lost a lot of fitness, have lost a lot of stamina, don't have great control, have to start with the basics, basics. Or now we're having problems because we kind of went to the other end of that spectrum where it's just, we did too much too fast because no one really explained to us what the process was, what was actually going on in our body. I think most women don't realize that you have this just giant internal scab where the plac- uh, placenta pulls off of that wall. If you could see that externally you would not go on a run, right? Like if you could see this giant wound, you would think, oh gosh, I'm not ready for that yet. But because we can't see it, it's very easy. And especially if you have that kind of athlete brain where you have exercised your whole life, it's very easy to say, it's a little uncomfortable, but I'm going to push through that because that's what you've been taught as an athlete, as a runner for your whole life is, you know, it doesn't, It's not fabulous, but running isn't always fabulous. We learn as runners to deal with that, push through it. There is a fine, fine, fine line we have to walk with that postpartum where I don't care how great of an athlete you are. You cannot speed up anatomy and physiology. There's Mm. time frames that have to be followed. So even my patients who are knocking at the door saying, when is the absolute soonest that I could take off on that first run? I'm dying to go on a run there's still timeframes we have to follow just because you're an elite athlete. Doesn't mean I'm going to clear you at a week and a half to go on a run. Um, and just because you've had multiple babies and gone on a run at two weeks postpartum, every single one of those times, it doesn't mean I'm going to recommend that for you this time. So there's still timeframes that have to be followed. The problem was we didn't have those laid out anywhere. No one really had anything that kind of said, hey, this would be the earliest. If everything's going perfectly, this is the earliest that I really would recommend jumping, running, squatting, lunging, things like that. We didn't have that available. And so you're navigating, like you said, this time where you are tired, you're stressed, your hormones are out of whack. You are trying to kind of live up to all those expectations and all that pressure that's put on you by your family and your friends and the world around you to be this Superhuman mom who's just going to bounce back, get on a run, you know, PR your half marathon at four weeks postpartum. Also. <laughs> you're nursing, right? So you're trying to figure all this out. And it's just one thing that we could take off the plate hmm. of women going through this if they had something to follow in terms of here is what's safe. Because I know for me, postpartum, one of the biggest things was like, because there was nothing out there at the time, I wanted to do something. I think we all do. Um, maybe not zero to two weeks postpartum, because that's kind of just survival mode, right? But at about two weeks or so, I started thinking, I wish you know I could exercise in a way that felt good to me and what would be safe. But I didn't know because again, I didn't specialize at that time. And so I went to that extreme end of the spectrum, went on a couple runs, really not jacked myself up long term, but very short term, didn't feel very good. If I had had some things in a list in front of me that said, here are some safe things to do. Mm -hmm. Here is why those are safe. And here is why, even though to you as an athlete and a runner, these do feel basic. That's fine. Here's why these are important. Then I could have rationalized that a little bit better. So I think again, that educational component that we talked about, here's why we take it this easy at this point. Here's why we're backing up from clearing everyone to return to run at six weeks Here's the reasoning behind why we decided these exercise fit into these timeframes. And then that kind of would have given me like that more long-term mindset of, hey, if I don't go crazy right now, I could in a couple of weeks feel really good. If I do go crazy right now because I'm just itching and no one's telling me no, in a couple of weeks, I might actually feel worse than I do right now. So it's that long-term mindset, but when there's nothing available to pull from, a, you're not going to be able to navigate on your own as a new mom. You have enough going on. So the tendency again will be you fall on either side of that overactivity or underactivity spectrum because the middle ground, it's hard. There's a lot of mm. research behind it. Like this is what I've been doing now for specializing specifically in this for five <clears throat> years. And there's still things that I learn every couple weeks as new research comes out and we start to implement that. So as a new mom, you don't have time to dig through all that. You need someone on your team to help you navigate that. And it really should be standard to have someone come and hang out with you and just be like, this is what you need to be doing. Here's some scar massage techniques. Did you have a C-section? Can we make sure that's healing well, that it's, um, that we're not getting infections, that we're mobilizing the scar so that it doesn't cause problems down the line. Did you have a vaginal birth? Are we still bleeding? Are we nursing? Cause that can affect how we move and how we feel and our posture and things like that. So having someone on your team to do that, I think is really important, but it's just something that's been so lacking for so long that we've just accepted that this is kind of how it is. And again, I think it's slowly changing, but it takes education and piece by piece to get there and it's slowly changing.
0: Yeah, frustrating on your side. I bet with all the information at hand, just to be able to, uh, it'd be nice just to be able to just put that into every woman's mind and go, okay, look, this will, this will be very helpful with the timeframes. And I'm kind of hesitant to ask, obviously, because there's so many, um, different experiences and it's such an individualized approach to the return to running, the return to exercise and things like that are there some sort of generic guidelines within that timeframe that women can use to, um, you know, hopefully use as a, a little bit of optimism to, to keep them driven and, and sort of keep their sights set on what's going to be possible in hopefully a few months time.
1: Yeah. So I think generally, and again, this is all coming from like my, my research, my approach, my guidelines. So, um, because there's not tons to pull from out there, there's going to be people who feel differently about that. So let me just kind of disclaimer that first. Um, That being said, the research that we've done, we've got OBs on it, OBGYNs, we've got urology on it, we've got strength and conditioning coaches who specialize in pregnancy postpartum situations, we've got a PhD in exercise physiology. So it's got lots of different backgrounds in terms of health and wellness. So that's why we pulled all of those people into this paper is so that we can have multiple multiple professions on the same page in regards to what our approach should be. Um, I think step one in terms of the guidelines that you're asking about is to acknowledge that there's so much you could do during pregnancy to set right. yourself up for success post success postpartum. Again, I hear a lot of women who are just told that, you, you know, you're pregnant and when you're not pregnant anymore, a lot of these problems will go away they deal with these problems for months and months and then they have the baby and sometimes it goes away and sometimes it doesn't. And so there's tons of things we can do during pregnancy to work on muscle control, to work on your strength, to work on your endurance, to work on your ability to coordinate the muscles in relaxation positions as well. So that when you get to postpartum, that's not something that's totally new and different for you. So lots that we can do during pregnancy and those guidelines are kind of in that paper as well. But postpartum I always say zero, zero to two weeks. I just want you to. Rest as best as you can. I know that's kind of a joke sometimes with a newborn, but rest, bond with baby. There's very basic things I want you to be working on. Breath work, getting a good deep breath in and out. We all know by the end of pregnancy, you probably haven't taken an actual deep breath in a very long time. Your ribs have been stretched to like max capacity. So slow, deep breaths in and out, reconnecting to your core, kind of slowly working on mobility things, child's pose, cat, cow, gentle mobility yoga. I think people freak out about activity, quote unquote, after baby, because they're in that six week period. But what we don't consider is we're not telling women how to exercise, but we are telling them to lift their nine pound baby in their 10 pound car seat, carry them up the stairs when they need to put them to bed, repeatedly bend in and out of the crib or the bassinet to get them in and out. So we're telling them to do all of these things that are more aggressive than what our recommendations in terms of mobility are. But somehow we're saying that the mobility stuff, we're like, no, we shouldn't we shouldn't do that. You should wait until six weeks to get started with PT. The stuff that you're having to do to get through day-to-day life is more aggressive a lot of times than what I'm actually going to have you do when you get to PT. My goal is to supplement so that the stuff that you're doing in your day-to-day life actually does feel okay. So we start zero to two weeks with very gentle mobility. Around two weeks is where I start to integrate a little bit more pelvic floor type work. So if you know how to comfortably do a Kegel starting to reconnect to that, everyone has very different recommendations on that. And that's where I say that there's more research that's needed. But I say about two weeks is where I would start just gently reconnecting. We're not trying to max out the pelvic floor contraction. We're not lifting weights. We're not doing anything like that. We're just turning the muscles on and off, learning what that feels like again, because they've been through a lot reconnecting to them the same way we would reconnect to our quad muscle after an ACL repair, just reconnecting to those muscles. So that's kind of my general two to four weeks is reconnect to the pelvic floor and core. Four to six weeks is where we move into more of just the kind of actual what I call open chain stretching. So open kinematic chain just means that you are moving in a non-weight bearing position to get some of the muscles moving. So like laying on your side and opening up the hips. So more of the kind of probably rehab things you would see if you went into a traditional rehab, like facility, outpatient facility, Um, some of those kind of basic starter exercises just to start moving the muscles. Then what happens is you come in to see me at six weeks, hopefully you come before, but most of the time, right. Now, at least in the United States, the earliest I get to see you is six weeks. So if you come in at six weeks and you've been working on that for those zero to six weeks, those kind of movements, we get to get into the fun stuff. Like This is where we actually do start get to getting into like sit to stand, step ups, things that really do get you strong and ready to get back to running, which is a high impact task. If you haven't been doing that for the zero to six weeks because you weren't sure what to do or you weren't told what to do, you weren't given advice, when you come in at six weeks, guess what we have to start with? Mm. breath work, gentle mobility, all the stuff that you technically could start at zero weeks, but you have to have that good solid foundation, just like a house. We don't want to build on top of dysfunction. So I've got to have really good function. And if you know how to build that on your own from zero to six weeks postpartum, then when I see you at six weeks postpartum, then we get to get into the stuff that you probably have actually been wanting to do. Mm. If you haven't been doing that, Then at six weeks, I get to start you on the breathwork and the basics, which is not a bad thing. You could start that at any point. Let's say for six months, you've got a child that just doesn't sleep. Maybe we don't start breathwork until six months postpartum. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Everyone has a different journey. Everyone has a different timeline in terms of like how they feel, how they're recovering, what time is available to them to put into their recovery. So maybe we don't start that until six months and that's okay. But again, for my athletes that are like banging down the door saying, when can I start? When can I get going? There's so much we can do in those year to six weeks. So six to 12 weeks is where I say we really work on strength. If you've got the basics down, if you've got the basics down six to 12 weeks is what I call like that really fun, like let's get strong. Like this is where yeah, you can really start to push without running and jumping just yet. So exactly like we talked about with that kind of post-surgical progression with the ACL, I don't have you just start jumping right after you have an ACL repair. We strengthen, right? We strengthen on the table, and then we strengthen in sitting, and then we strengthen in standing, and then we strengthen on two legs, and then one leg, and then we jump, right? Same idea with running. There needs to be a progression. And so that's kind of what we're working on. So 6 to 12 weeks is where we get really good solid strength, build those really good strong bones foundation of that house, and then we get to build on impact around 12 weeks. I do have some patients who feel ready to add impact and show me that they're ready to add impact around 8 to 10 weeks postpartum. Um, So depending on the person, I think that that can be applicable. If they, you know, didn't have any tearing, birth was uncomplicated, they did everything they were supposed to do during pregnancy and postpartum. So if there's someone who wants to get back to it, like ASAP, highly recommend pregnancy, connecting with a PT, getting work with that so that you've got set up for a program for zero to six weeks, because that means by maybe week eight to 10, we could start to add a little bit of jumping, which running, if you look at it, it's a series of jumping, right? It's a series of hops yeah. on single leg. So if we're not able to jump and control the pelvic floor muscles and the core during that, then the running's not going to go very well. Mm-hmm. So that's, that can happen. I think eight weeks is probably the earliest I would ever recommend impact work which is a little bit different than the recommendations, I think, up to this point. Um, but I would say for most people, like general population, recreational athletes, we're looking more at like 12 weeks. And you think about 8 to 12 weeks, it's 4 weeks, right? Which I know at that point seems like an eternity. But for so many of my patients, if they give it that time, those extra 4 weeks between 8 to 12, their long-term running happens So much faster, so much better. Things go so much more smooth than if you just rush it in those early weeks. There's just so much recovery that's going on in the body. Internally, there's so much going on. And so, if we can understand and appreciate that and say, you know what, I probably could go on a run today, but also if I wait two to four more weeks, I'd probably be in a lot better and a lot stronger position to do that. You set yourself up for success. So then hopefully at 12 weeks, you feel fabulous. I cut you loose to actual return to running program. We do some intervals. We start with jogging. We do some on and off. And then eventually we get to out the distance or sprint work that we want to get to down the line. Um, but those four weeks, I know, again, from from a patient perspective, because I was also that patient, it feels like forever. You just mm-hmm. want to go on a run. But if we take that time, it will happen so much faster and in a way that sets you up for long-term success instead of just compromising those four weeks. So it makes a huge difference. I would tell people for me, like I would post on my Instagram and be like, this is when I'm 12 weeks. If you see me running before then, I need you to tell me to stop and chill (laughs) out. Keep yourself accountable. Yeah, Yeah. I let my heart take over. My brain knows what to do, but I got out there and I felt great. And so I just took off and I shouldn't have. Um and so I I really recommend twelve, but I think in some situations we can start as early as eight to ten.
0: Yeah, no, that's a really really good answer. One of the things that blows my mind as well is I've got a few friends who are marathon runners. They've had kids, and one in particular, top runner here in Australia, Jess Stenson. She, um, what she run for a marathon? I want to say she's run like two twenty, 220, two twenty four, or something like. She's a really okay. quick marathon yeah, runner, sure. and she, um. She ran that after she had her, her first boy, which kind of blew my mind. And, and this is something that I always think is inspiring. And I reckon if I was a chick, it'd be so inspiring to me, is knowing that there's, there's just so many athletes out there who have been through the discomfort and been through the frustration of not being able to get out there and wondering if they're ever going to be able to get back to it. And there's just so many examples of women who have gone out, not only been through the frustrations that we've spoken about, but also crushed PBs like, after having a kid which is really incredible to me. Like, I don't know if you've got anything to say to that, but it blows my mind yeah. that you guys have that capacity to be able to, as you say, grow a little human, get it out, yeah. and then return to form better than what you were pre-baby.
1: It is wild. I do think that pregnancy and postpartum gives you a different perspective in terms of the limits that you can push your body to, right? Like, I mean, pregnancy is the greatest endurance event you're ever going to do. Seriously. It's 10 months of, like, having to relearn your body, really learn to be in tune to that. And so I think postpartum, it opens up this new world of like, I know what it's like to really push through some of these crazy situations. And so it changes your perspective in terms of what that feels like. But I think on top of that, what we've really missed up until very recently is that there's so many women who are on the peak of their athletic careers when they do get pregnant and have kids. And because we haven't treated this the way that we should have we've missed a lot of personal bests for a lot of women and now that we're getting a better understanding of it and really appreciating it and treating it the right way we're seeing what women are really capable of after babies which is just incredible i mean like you said there's just so much that you can do down the line and i think up until very recently we've kind of said when you're a mom you are no longer an athlete you turn into a mom And you kind of lose that side of who you were and you just live life from there. And now we realize like those don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can be Mm -hmm. a mom and you can be an athlete at the same time. And not only that, I think a lot of times once you treat things well, you connect to your core, you learn more about your body during pregnancy, I think, than any other time in your life. And you know this even as a, as a male runner, you know what it feels like when you really feel like things are working. You feel like a machine. Like when you're out there just cranking it out, you feel connected to your body. You feel like you are out there strong running. And I will tell you, if I'm having two kids, I have never felt more connected to my body and understanding what's going on and what I'm feeling and what I should be adjusting than I have after babies, because I uh. think pregnancy postpartum forces you to listen to those signals. And so I am much more aware of what I'm feeling when I'm feeling it. And I think that does make you a better athlete. And so I think that's where you see a lot of these women that can kick it into another gear and kind of say, I know my body now. I have connected to these muscles. I am stronger than I used to be because I've dedicated the time to really build my foundation the right way. And when they do that and they all those pieces fall into place... You know what it feels like to really push yourself through uncomfortable situations. You've been an athlete. You know how to kind of like take your brain to that next gear, that next level. And now on top of that, you've set this really firm, solid foundation of good core control, good strength, good mobility that maybe you didn't put as much time into before baby because there wasn't as much of a need. Now that need has been created. You fulfill that need. And now you can take off and actually perform better than you could have pre-baby. You just didn't know that that kind of next level was capable until you went through that.
0: Yeah, no, that's really well said. I I know this is something that you've studied for years and it's something that that you you mentioned that there's so much new research and so much new information coming out. And my goal in chatting to you today was obviously to scratch the surface and to paint a little bit of a, a picture or to, create maybe a little bit of a foundation for women who are going through it or have just been through birth and are, are trying to find their way through also be able to impress my wife with as you said like just the husbandry skills that I've shown in getting you yep. on here today <laughs> but, um, yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent but one thing um I was I was sort of curious to find out as well is because um I, I think majority of the listeners to hear are sort of in Australia the UK we've got a pretty solid US listenership as well but uh, are you working with people only in the U S or have you got something online that you're, you're doing for people around the so world? I know you can technically
1: yeah. find me online. So I'm on Instagram. I have two Instagram pages right now. The first one is stirrups to sit ups. Um, so all that is, is we're kind of creating an app that puts all of this information into an app so that women can kind of access that postpartum. So it is more readily available to people. So Stir Ups to sit up is kind of the page for the app that hopefully will come out early in 2023. Um, my physical therapy page is uh, synthesis physical therapy. So I'm under synthesis physical therapy on Instagram as well. I'm always open to messages, just like you messaged me and was like, Hey, let's do this. I love that because it's a good way to connect to people. And like I said, it put really my goal in all of this is education so just like kind of your approach of like hey i just want to get this information out there this is how we do that is literally having these discussions people sending me a message and being like hey what do you think about xyz so i always am happy to share that information so that people can connect with me that way um in terms of like a virtual video chat or something i'm sure we'd have to look into the logistics of like is that technically legal from country to country. Now in the United States, yes, you can set something up with me. So if you are in the United States and you want to set something up, shoot me a message. Let's work through that. Um, if you are not in the United States and you want to work through it, go ahead and shoot me a message anyways, and we'll troubleshoot and figure out the best way that we can make sure that you get taken care of. Um, and if it's not with me, I will find you someone who can, uh, I think, which is really important too, because it's not always going to be me. But you might need to see someone in person, but you might have a hard time finding that person. And that's what I can be for, too, is to help you find that person who's who's local to you if you need something like that. Um, So usually Instagram is going to be the quickest way to get to me via stirrups to sit ups or synthesis physical therapy.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Rachel that was uh that was definitely educational to me as I said I mentioned at the start that I was way out of my depth so the questions were genuine Uh, yeah no fantastic it helps that you sort of took my hand and guided me down a little bit because I was thinking man I'm I don't want to make a fool out of myself this podcast that's my number one goal so I think we nailed it we got through it well so thank you so much for being on here I'll make sure I uh uh, I'll, I'll link your instagram page and other details so people can access that easily if you want but hey really appreciate it thanks for uh thanks for yeah, coming on i
1: appreciate it you deserve all like i said you deserve all the brownie points you did great even now <laughs> it's your life meaning it it's still it, this is this is where education happens and this is how you make that information accessible to people so that they don't have to wait 17 years um Easy. to to figure it out themselves so thank you for spreading that information and for getting it out there because that's really important
0: no worries at all hey thanks again we'll see you soon
1: yeah, sounds good.
0: Say, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Relaxed Running Podcast. If you're ready to become a faster, more efficient runner, visit www.relaxedrunning.com.